And now, the Husker Athletic Director Show with Bill Moose, presented by the Woodhouse Auto Family. Woodhouse Auto Family. Shop Woodhouse first. 18 brands, 18 locations, one team to help you get on the road faster. Woodhouse Auto Family, the official auto dealer of Nebraska athletics. And now, here's your host, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to our monthly show with the Athletic Director for the University of Nebraska, Bill Moose. Here are the numbers if you want to be a part of the next 60 minutes. 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Happy holidays. You got your shopping all done. I'm sure you got things already even packaged up and Oh, yeah, the wrapped. CMI bows and everything. It's just perfect. <laughs> I tell you. hate to see it get ripped off. I asked Coach Hoiberg this last night, and he looked at me like, Christmas is really that close? <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, fortunately my sweet wife Kendra takes care of all that, and I took care of her uh, in uh, at Macy's in New York last week. So I think I'm good. So you were back there for the football Hall of Fame ceremonies, and then probably the Heisman Trophy over the weekend. Didn't stay for Heisman. You left. Came back, and uh, we went. Actually, we first went to Indianapolis for the Big Ten football championship. They always do such a great job. And then uh, went directly from there to New York, and uh, you know Nebraska is pretty cool in, in, at Christmas time. But you know New York City is very special, and it brings back a lot of memories because growing up, you'd go to any town, and 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 all of the store windows would have Christmas decorations and all that. You don't see that anymore, but you do in New York. It makes it very special this time of year. If you watch, if the folks at home were watching the Heisman Trophy ceremony, they probably saw Johnny the Jed Rogers. He usually finds his way around the cameras. <laughs> Johnny, well, the, all three of our Heisman Trophy were there. were there, yep. And we can be very proud of that. Yeah. And uh, and Joe Burrow was great. born, born and uh, started it all right here in Lincoln, Nebraska. And his father and two brothers played for the Huskers and uh, uh, really happy for them and and, uh, excited for this bowl season to get going. It's uh, always, again, another great time of the year. Very fun. I mentioned Fred Hoiberg. Let's start there. Really good win on on Sunday over Purdue and a heck of an effort in Indiana on Friday. What I like, and, and it doesn't surprise me, we just keep getting better. Every time we go out, and we got to remember these are these are players that haven't had a lot of experience. Not only not with with Coach Hoiberg and the staff, but with each other. Yeah. And so uh, we will continue to get better, and that was a really a good example of it. And uh, I got a real nice text from outgoing commissioner of the Big Ten, Jim Delaney, who said, "Boy, I was really impressed the last two games. One was a loss, but." played our hearts out, and then a really nice, solid win in uh, PBA over uh, Purdue. So um, we're heading the right direction. We had a phone call last night during Coach's show that complimented him on his bench demeanor, that he's calm, that he's under control, he's not ranting or raving out there. I'm sure you've noticed that in the first month of the season for him. Uh, We have a football coach is the same way. Mm -hmm. You start to go nuts on the bench – uh, your players get anxieties, and they start not focusing and doing stupid things, and it doesn't really accomplish anything. So, uh, Fred, I I watched that as well. He's he, and he's always been that way. Um, he played the game. He played it at this level. He played it at the highest level. He's coached at this level and at the highest level. He's been a front office individual. Uh, the game is in his blood, and uh, uh, he's. 
He's very, very good, and he's loving it here at Nebraska. And there's some fun, fun times ahead for us in men's basketball. No doubt. Bill's with us until the top of the hour. Hour number two to our women's basketball show for the week. Amy Williams actually out recruiting tonight, so Coach Love will be in with Matt Cotney. The women off to a 9 and one start. Very good beginning to their year. Best beginning of Amy's four years here, yeah. and doesn't surprise me. We were real young last year, Greg. Uh, this is this team has leadership, confidence. Uh, got got the ball rolling early in the season, so you get that momentum started, and uh, should be an interesting year as we get into the conference play. Excited yeah. for it. They have put themselves in really good position at nine and one off to the start, and they'll finish off the non-con on Sunday against Manhattan. Uh, the, the volleyball season came to an end as well over the weekend. A terrific season ended in the Elite Eight for them, losing at Wisconsin. Uh, another really good year. And I know it's disappointing for John Cook and that program to not make the Final Four for a fifth straight year, but still a really good season. Well, and we got to stop and remember there's no seniors on this team. So uh, the future is tremendously bright. Another great recruiting class. They, con- they just keep flowing in and i'm talking top recruiting classes uh so uh john of course he's disappointed because he's such a a winner but he also realizes what we've said many times on the program uh he has built a program and it produces winning teams big 10 was really tough this year uh, Wisconsin especially, mm-hmm. I tip my hat to them because it's tough to beat a team three times, and and they did, and and uh, uh, be interesting to see how this Final Four works out. They might out win it all. They could. Yeah. yeah. Minnesota and Wisconsin both in the Final Four, so the Big Ten has two of the four in the volleyball championship. Tomorrow is a huge, huge day for Husker football. It's the first of two signing periods. It's become the biggest of the two. Did you anticipate – a couple of years ago when the rules added this second period that the football recruiting would that the December one would become the bigger of the two well for some schools and uh, for Nebraska it's just perfect because we may sign 19 20 21 mm-hmm. somewhere in there and you can only sign 25 so uh, we're we it's worked really well for us and we've done I think a very good job of getting our coaches out to where the talent is. Uh, you know, throughout the process, and especially um, these last couple of weeks. So uh, uh, I'm excited to see you. As you never know until until the fax machine. We used to say, do they still use fax machine? I don't know machine? if they I do or know. not. But uh, <laughs> it, until those pop out, but uh, it's really looking solid. And 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 if I may go a step further, last year's was a solid class too. It was a top 25. This one could be top 20. Uh, depending on on all of that, uh, when those two classes become juniors and seniors, and we have backfilled with as good or better classes, and the walk-on program has developed those players into their third and fourth years, that's when it's all going to look reminiscent of what people saw back in the day are you comfortable with where you are budget wise for the recruiting budget for football 
and all the things that you need to get these coaches from here to there to get out and see all the outlaw. Are you comfortable with where we are in Nebraska? Well, very that? much so. Uh, football has a great budget. They, but to their credit, they they keep their eye on it too. Uh, they 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 stay within the lines, but we make sure that the the lines are are, are very solid in the first place. But as I mentioned, this. Uh, Getting, getting our coaches where they need to be through our Husker Air Fleet program is just key, and we've had people step up and really help us there. So uh, you, you look, and we've talked about this again, at all the things we have to offer at Nebraska, one of the great things we have is where we're located. Our fan base, how clean and safe, and the the community is part of the campus. But one of the biggest challenges is where we're located. Right. Because we need to be after those same players that the Texas and Floridas and USC's, uh, Ohio State's, Penn State's, we need to get into those schools, be after that same type of talent. And we the, the way to do that is how we're doing it with the, our, our private and uh, chartered aircraft. You mentioned that it looks like this will be a top 20 class. How impressive is that? Considering that this past year was five and seven, and the year before was four and eight, and the year before was four and eight, what does that say about your staff right now? To be able to to accumulate that kind of a talent. Well, to be in on that kind of talent, first of all, and and we well we always have the brand, we have our tradition, even though it's getting to have been a while ago. But a lot of these young players are thinking, hey, we I can come in and contribute right away. I can be a part of this this uh, program that is really taking shape and I can contribute as a true freshman or early in my career. You go talk to the folks at uh, back in the 90s, we were losing prospects because they looked at the depth chart and going, you know, I may I may not get in the field till I'm a sophomore or junior. And so we'll worry about that problem when we get there. This is a good good situation for us right now. Well, it sure looks good and I know this staff has worked really hard the last month, and I know they would have been uh, wish they were worried about bowl preparation. That obviously didn't happen after the way the season ended, uh, but they have been all over this country. They have, I don't know if they've left a stone unturned to try to find guys to come in here and help this program out. And, and we're getting commitments from a caliber of player that mm-hmm. has a lot of uh, Power Five uh, major big-time program offers, and we did last year too. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Women's Basketball Show right here on the Husker Sports Network. 12, 11, 10. Ivy going to go. Now she goes down the right lane line, backs it out. Now she re-goes and puts it up and it counts. And a foul. Sammy scores with six seconds left in the third and drew the contact. Our weekly look inside Husker Women's Basketball. Deep left side, Hannah Whitish looks down low. Nobody home, reverses it to the right side off the floor. Cut Kissinger. Leah Brown out top. Hannah Whitish for three on the left wing. Badger! Hannah hits a triple. Tonight, assistant coach Chuck Love. Top of the key, Sam Hybe. Ball fake. Screen from Kate Kane. Sam will take a three. You! Betcha! Sammy's got 18 points. Now here's your host, Matt Coatney. Happy holidays, everybody, and welcome in to the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Hour. I am Matt Coatney, and I am pleased to be joined by Chuck Love, who has great credentials among those. And it's unofficial, but I'm no doubt you're the best rest assistant coach in the Big Ten, possibly <laughs> all of women's basketball. He's setting it for Amy Williams tonight. Amy is uh, 
out on assignment, as they say, which in the coaching circles, it always means recruiting, doesn't it? That's right. Yeah, that doesn't mean she's home, you know, <laughs> no. cleaning the bathtub tonight or <laughs> this time of year when you've got some time. That's what's going on. We will have Coach Love here for the full hour. 866-HUSKER-1 is the number if you'd like to be with us. Uh, I am out in town. Everybody has asked me about this great women's basketball start uh, for the season 9-1. and one. They won last Saturday over ORU. 7767 Manhattan College is next Sunday at 12 noon central to wrap up conference play but don't think Chuck Love because Amy Williams isn't here tonight that I'm not going to ask the hard hitting questions okay, I'm, I'm not here. not going to throw the softballs at you uh so here we go let's All do right. it if you're going to fill in you're going to get this is this is this is the hard-hitting question. Let's go. Bring it. Do you have your Christmas shopping completed? <laughs> I do not. Okay. I do not. I think the best friend for basketball coaches in today's world in 2019 is online shopping. <laughs> I've never understood when coaches found time to go out to strip mall That's or right. you know, or go pick up those things. So when you do do your Christmas shopping, mm-hmm. are you an in-person or are you online? I'm actually, um, I'm a person online. You know, my wife does a lot of online shopping. She likes to go into the stores as well, but I'm a guy that, hey, let's get it done online. Yeah. So you're yeah. not, I'm not going to find you at the outlet mall this weekend. No, right? you will not find me. Okay. Up there. All right. All right. That, that does it for the hard-hedding questions. 866-HUSKER-1 is the number. Uh, as I said, the Huskers came off a 10-day break, which is pretty rare um, in, in taking on uh, ORU. They beat Duke on a Wednesday night, December 4th. And then uh, beat ORU seventy seven sixty seven nine games in November, which it just, we felt like an NBA schedule a it little did. bit to me. Um, so it felt kind of strange for me to get back in the gym for a game. And I, I'm I asked Amy during her pregame show before ORU mm-hmm. if she felt any hesitation or anxiousness about the team being rusty. Now Jeff Grish and I discussed that during the game broadcast, and he pointed out that your team got out to a 10-2 to two lead. So I didn't think Rust had anything to do with it. But yeah. what were your thoughts on Nebraska's play coming off that 10-day break last week? For sure. Um, against ORU, there was time that we had um, Duke and ORU. So there was a few things where we were just trying to sharpen up on what we do, um, getting better defensively, uh, working on some rebounding, doing different things like that um, in that stretch. But I would say um, for ORU, there was a lot of different game planning. There was um, some things that we wanted to look at that we haven't done in the past. Uh, that's I know you guys probably seen like a full court press. Uh, just going into conference play, looking at a few different um, defensive uh, schemes. And that's what we did. We worked on a few things, and that's why you probably saw maybe a little rust, a little bit of um, – um, I don't know, our kids just uncertain at, at times. Just some things that we want to most definitely look at and work on and a few rotations as well. It felt like a bowl game to me a little bit. It's <laughs> like, right. well, oh, here, here's where I'm plugging my radio. <laughs> 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. If you'd like to visit with assistant coach Chuck Love tonight in the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Hour. Uh, the big news to come out of uh, Saturday, obviously, was uh, Amy Williams reporting that Taylor Kissinger would miss – the rest of the season, uh, the average fan knows that has a big impact on the team. But for those who aren't in the locker room, who aren't with the team every day, I think TK's pretty well liked. That's that's kind of a big impact on leadership as well, isn't it? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Taylor, 
I mean, that kid brings so much. That's a huge loss, huge blow to our team. But um, her leadership and what she brings uh, each and every day is, uh, I mean, you, you, you can't bring another person in and do what she does. And, um, I mean, that kid, every single day she comes to bring it. And um, that's kind of our motto this year, bringing it. And um, T-Kiss brings it every single every single day, that leadership. A lot of people have asked me, was it something that happened in the last game? And, you know, what I've said is it's just been nagging for yeah. a while. And, and to the point to where they finally looked at it, uh, I think the, the important thing, if, if I don't have this wrong, is mm-hmm. by doing this procedure now, uh, she can get the year back and then have that six-month recovery and be pretty much full strength for next year. Is that, is that kind of the thought process that went into it, do you think? Or? Yes, that's uh, the thought process right now. Um, I believe T is scheduled for January 4th, 4th or 5th, um, around maybe the 3rd, actually, around that time to uh, go in and have that surgery, and it'll be about six months. And once we, um, you know, of course, complete the season and go into the uh, summer, she'll be kind of recovering and working her way back into it during the summer. And once we get going next year, she'll be ready to go. You know, uh, she had six three-pointers. Big yeah. factor in beating yeah. Duke in the Big Ten ACC Challenge right after that 10-day break. It's, it's, I think it's an oversimplification to look at three for 19 three-point shooting without Taylor against ORU the other day. Yeah. Um, because you play differently even when she's just taking a rest. So if Taylor is playing the game and she's out of the lineup summing out, you play differently. But – in terms of stretching the defense and mm-hmm. keeping other teams honest, are you, as a coaching staff, hoping as a group that your perimeter players step up and try to increase three-point production? Because you're not just going to say, player B, go sure. go go be fourth in the nation in three-point sure. field goal percentage, right? So is this kind For of sure. a group effort replacing her then? It is. Once again, uh, you can't replace a Taylor Kissinger, what she brings to the table. Um I mean, Kate Kane, the success that you guys are seeing, Kate has uh, has a lot to do with Taylor Kissinger, the way she can, you know, just be a presence out there on the floor and people have to really worry about a high, you know, a 40% three-point shooter yeah. um, on the basketball court. But you're right. Uh, we believe in, you know, strength in numbers. We have a deep team. We uh, believe in our, our depth and our kids are all capable of making um, big shots and three-point shots. If we have to shoot the three, if we have to go to the mid-range game or get to the basket, we can play at all facets of the game. 866-HUSKER-1 if you'd like to visit with Coach Chuck Love, an assistant coach tonight here on the Nebraska Women's Basketball Show. And the Sports Nightly Hotline is brought to you by Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Assistant Coach Chuck Love with us. I'm Matt Coatney. Uh, Grace Mitchell uh, didn't play against ORU. She's had a nagging shoulder injury Um I'll tell you about Grace. She's been kind of a role player throughout her career. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this season, I think she's really emerged as a leader. Not only a leader, but a senior leader. I think there's a difference between leaders and senior leaders. But when she's been out there, she's done good things on the floor. Uh, it had to hurt not having her as an option against you also. For sure. Once again, that leadership um, as a senior, just being a part of the program for four years, just knowing how we um, like to do things and the way our machine flows, uh, Grace knows. She understands. Uh, she's a big believer in action over words. And um, each and every day, um, she just embraced those moments, the opportunities that she that's are presented to her. Um, she's just going to give you what she has every single day. But you're right. This year has been a really fo- a big focus on Grace's part just to be more um, about action than just words. Huskers take on Manhattan on Sunday. That's 12 noon Central. 
And uh, so that's a great time. You have all kinds of time to finish Christmas shopping if you want to show up for that. <laughs> Stores are still open after that. I want to talk to you about Ashton Verbeek a little bit. You're the post coach. And when she went down in pain in the second half against you it hurt me. Oh. I mean, it did. Because i got to be honest, I said on air, if, if Ashton Verbeek is feeling pain, you know it has to hurt. Because right. that kid's got a high pain tolerance. <laughs> um but then she came back into the game. I mean, that kid's tough. She's very tough. You know, Ashton, once again, she's a kid. You, if you go back to even last year, there was times where she was playing with injuries and just minor nagging injuries. But um, you never would, you never could tell, you know, yeah. just because every single day she comes out and just play the exact same way. Um, and she wanted, she didn't want to let her team down in that ORU game. And she's a tough kid, you know. Um, she's a champion. She's a warrior. And every single day, that kid, she's like, hey, I want to be out there. I want to be helping my team. How can, what can I do? How can I help my team? So that kid's always getting shots up. She's one of the first ones in the gym, in the gym and the one for, um, last one out the gym. So she's a kid that comes every single day once again, just working hard. Um, and we appreciate that. And she didn't want to let her team down. And she tried to get out there, but she was hobbling too bad. And, um, you know, so right now we're just resting her and getting the ankle uh, together so we can get her back. Yeah, so. she just – I saw her over there getting taped up, and I'm yeah. like, kind of reminded me of a friend of mine in the Air Force, played on my softball team. I blew my ankle out, and he's like, tape it, get back in there, you know? Uh, you, as as the post coach, uh-huh. have probably worked with Ash as much, if not more, than any of the coaches. What did she do to give you all confidence that she could be in the starting lineup consistent, consistently this year? Because I know last year as a freshman, the game was moving kind of fast for her defensively, I think, mm-hmm. more than anything. What has she done to improve to to where she's such a big part of this team and is a solid starter for you? Yeah, defense. You know, um, we always felt that Ashton could be one of those kids to stretch the floor. Um, she's a – right now I believe she's shooting 30-something percent, thirty mid-30s um, from the three-point line. She's a really good three-point shooter. We know that. Um, very offensive – very uh, great offensively, but we wanted to work on and focus on the defensive end. Um, that's something that, um, you know, other kids in the past has brought to the table, and we, we challenged her, you know, and she stepped up in that area and got better defensively, not just on the ball, but off the ball, and just playing more on that perimeter, just building that confidence to play with Kate Kane so um, she can guard a four. And there's some times where we, we're switching one through four or uh, maybe one through three, but we want Ashton to be very confident in that. Now, when you say switching one through four or one through three. We might have some fans that are like, what does that mean? Can you kind of yeah. break down? So Ashton <clears throat> plays the four in your That's right. in your scheme. So when you're saying switching one through four, one through three, yes. what it, you're asking to guard different people then. Right? That's correct. So um, guarding one through four, you have to be very versatile. So therefore, um, in our system, our fours and fives are interchangeable. So they can switch. Um, so Kate Kane is our five. Of course, Ashton's our four. Normally, we will switch with those kids four and five. That's kind of our base defense. But if we want to go, um, if there's a smaller team that we're playing and we want to switch one through four, so Ashton can now switch with the guards, um, with Hannah, Hannah Whitish or um, Taylor or Nicaea, we allow her to do that now, just once again building that confidence and allowing her to guard on the perimeter if there are some actions that we want to take away um, one through four. There was a player in this program exactly 10 years ago mm-hmm. that Ashton's starting to remind me of. Maybe you met Corey Montgomery during the yeah. alumni. Right. But her freshman year, great score, 
defense was lacking mm-hmm. in terms of her game. Her second year got better, and her third year, mm-hmm. she became a starter. By her fourth year, she was first team all conference. And yeah. you look at Ashton Verbeek, and you're just talking about her defense gets better, but then you're talking about stepping out. She's scary when she's out on the perimeter. Sure. When the other team's in rotation, she's For out sure. there by herself. She has no fear of letting <laughs> it fly, does she? No, not at all. She's a great three-point shooter. I mean, this goes back to high school and uh, playing AAU basketball. That was something that uh, really intrigued us about Ashton with her size and her versatility and her ability to um, shoot the three-point shot. We knew that um, last year it didn't show as much as a freshman. I think she was thinking more. Yeah. But we had all the confidence in that kid. And once again, just getting in the gym with her, um, she's a great, great player, great three-point shooter. Your state. Your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Nebraska leads it by 9, 63, 54, long three by Wheeler, missed it. Rebound by Cam Mack, he got hit in the draw. He comes down with a loose ball somehow. Here comes Cam Mack. He wisely leaves it off. Highlight field, top 10. Here it comes. Unbelievable. Sports Nightly during the holidays is presented by the Woodhouse Auto Family. With over 6,000 new and pre-owned vehicles in stock, visit woodhouse.com to browse the entire inventory. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. And welcome back. Really kind of the welcome to the show after having our athletic director show for the month of December in Hour 1 and our women's basketball show here in this past out kind of sports night beginning here in the third hour of the program tonight. Greg Charbel McLaughlin with you here tonight. Uh, we're about we're inside of 12 hours from when the letters are going to start flying off the fax machines. If there are such a thing anymore, it's probably just now a DocuSign type thing with an ash of letters of intent for tomorrow. And there's still some drama in this thing, Ben McLaughlin, as we're sitting here less than 12 hours out. There's still a bunch of names that could still come in the fold tomorrow. Could be pretty exciting tomorrow. Yeah, I think the numbers certainly uh, are looking a lot more favorable now to Nebraska than they did even last week uh, at this time. So obviously you want to finish strong and you want to get those names down. And it, I, I doesn't anticipate any surprises with the current commits, uh, but just those guys trying to decide you know, where they want to go um tomorrow uh hopefully nebraska's in the conversation and i I know they are on a handful of them but you know i think if you would have told us where nebraska was at commitment wise and potentially commitment wise at this point last week i don't know that we would have believed them how about nebraska now uh, and and across all the publications have now cracked the top 20 with this class and i think they're gonna get a couple of more added to this group tomorrow that's a pretty remarkable job has to, I mean, you're coming off four and eight, four and eight, and five and seven to be in the top twenty. That's remarkable. Absolutely, and I think you know, I, it speaks to a couple of things: the recruiting job these coaches are doing, but but also, you know, I think something that's attractive to a lot of these players. Nebraska needs guys that are going to come in right away and play and help and help win games and help turn this thing around. And I think, you know, they use this last batch of freshmen from from a year ago as as kind of the example. You know, if you guys come in here and, and take care of your business in the weight room and in the classroom, you have the ability to come here and make an impact right away and, and help turn this thing around. So I think that message was obviously well-received from a number of student-athletes. All right, going to be quite a day tomorrow. We'll have a full recap of all of it for you tomorrow night here on Sports Sunday. Coming up this hour, we'll have our top 10 list, top 10 Tuesday 
And so we're ready to jump into that here in just a couple of minutes. And we'll continue our top 10 countdown of games broadcast here on the Husker Sports Network during 2019. We launched it last night with number 10, the volleyball victory over Missouri in the NCAA tournament. Number nine coming up a little bit later on in the hour. But let's get into tonight's top 10. We think them up. We count them down. It's Top 10 Tuesdays on Sports Nightly. All right, uh, the NFL season winding down. Just a couple of weeks left in the regular season. We thought we would take our crack guys and name in the top 10 favorites to be the league MVP. Um, how was this one, Josh? Tough, hard, easy? What was it? I, well, I feel like the top couple were pretty easy. Um, and then... I, Honestly, like it, it's hard for me, but like you kind of have to look at mostly quarterbacks, just because that's it's a quarterback-driven league, and that's who is usually going to win the MVP. So that's kind of who was at the top of my list. But I tried to throw a couple other positions in there a little bit. Ben, yeah, I think for me, um, the, the offensive players are, are going to get the nod mostly, and and I think you know really the top six guys on on my list are are the most worthy. But then I threw a couple of guys in there that probably aren't getting the recognition that maybe they should and, and should be in that conversation for the years that they've had. All right, very good. Well, Ben, this one was your your uh, call, so why don't you lead us off? Sure. Uh, starting with my number 10, uh, my number 10 is a player that you maybe don't know a lot about or haven't you know seen the year that, that he has had, uh, but I think a couple of things you know, are, are knocking him down the list of uh, potential spots for most valuable player at least certainly maybe in that conversation for defensive mvp i'm going shaquille barrett uh, from colorado state a former uh uno walk on he has 16 and a half sacks that leads the nfl six forced fumbles and a pick um he's been just a, a stellar addition to the tampa bay defense and i think this is a guy that just has benefited tremendously from uh, a change of scenery coming over from denver and and used properly We've seen what type of weapon he could be, but he leads the NFL, and he has the the franchise record in sacks this year with 16 and a half. He's been good. Now, 24 hours ago, you were killing the Tampa Bay defense on this air. I was. And I wasn't killing them. I just MVP. said they, they haven't been as they, – they're, they're not a tremendous <laughs> unit, but uh, I think they've got a great collection of talent, and Shaquille Barrett's certainly one of them. My number 10, I have Kirk Cousins here, Vikings quarterback, uh, having a solid season. He He's a pretty consistent guy, but I think one of the big things that you look at and uh, that the people that voting on these things look at is is the record, and he's led a 10-4 record. So, so for Cousins, and um, I, I feel like gets a little bit overlooked just because he is pretty consistent and solid, but 25 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, that's a pretty good uh, ratio there, 3,500 yards passing. So I have Kirk Cousins, my number 10. They were so bad the first couple of weeks of the season, but they, they've rallied. They're, they're, well, they're a hot team right now up in Minneapolis. My number 10, I'm going out west to Jimmy Garoppolo of San Francisco. They've been a terrific story, and I know they're coming off of a dud performance here in the last couple of weeks, but uh, Garoppolo has been very good, 26 touchdowns uh, to 11 picks, and just the Niners have been so solid. Uh, so I've got Garoppolo in at number 10. All right, on to number nine. My number nine is just a, a steady force, in my opinion, is um, you know right at the top of the list for best wide receivers in the NFL. He's one reception shy of 100 on the year, 99 catches, 1,100 yards, and seven touchdowns for DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, he's he's really you know the primary weapon for. 
Deshaun Watson, but, you know, you throw in guys like Will Fuller and, you know, other playmakers in that offense, and they're really hard to stop. So uh, I, I love DeAndre Hopkins' game. He catches everything. He runs great routes, and obviously he's got a great personal story as well. So I've got D-Hop here at number nine. Okay. I have another quarterback at my number nine, and that's uh, Dak Prescott from the Cowboys. And it's funny because the way that the, that Dallas has been talked about this year with uh, that entire staff under fire and the, everybody's going to get fired, the, the division they're in is just so bad that the Cowboys are, are tied for the division lead at 7-7. Seven and seven, and But he's having the best year of his career by far. He already has well over 4,000 yards passing and 26 touchdowns. So he's having a tremendous year for, for the Cowboys and – and keeping their keeping them uh, afloat. So I have him at number nine. They play the Eagles this week. Who you boys have? Who you like in that one? <laughs> Cowboys or Eagles? I, I, Man, I, that's a toss. It's hard, it's hard to say. The Eagles have been so bad, but they've got a couple of huge wins the last few weeks. I'll say the Cowboys just for how well they played last week. Where's the game at? Um, Dallas, I think. I, yeah, I. I'm not going to pick the Cowboys though. Give me, give me, give me <laughs> Philly. <laughs> Give me Nate Gary and the Eagles. Yeah, there you go. All right, my number nine was Josh's 10. I'm going with the Pizza Ranch guy, Kirk Cousins, at number nine for me. How about that? Pizza Ranch spokesman extraordinaire, <laughs> Kirk Cousins. It's a terrible commercial, by the way. Uh, you like that? Oh, man, that's hilarious. Um, all right, my number eight is another guy that uh, you probably don't don't see uh, a lot of or at least hear a lot of because he's in the shadow of a couple of things. His, his brother, first of all, and – uh, just it's, it's an organization that's a lightning rod, mainly for what's happened to their offense. We're going to the Pittsburgh Steelers next, and T.J. Watt defensively has just had a, a phenomenal season. He's got 13 sacks. He has two picks. He has six forced fumbles. I mean, he has been just a, a one-man wrecking crew on that Pittsburgh defense. He, along with Devin Bush and new, newcomer Minka Fitzpatrick coming over from Miami, they've really solidified things in Pittsburgh. They had a really tough loss. Uh, no thanks to Hodges, their quarterback, against Buffalo on Sunday night. But, um, you know, Pittsburgh somehow keeps winning uh, despite the turmoil offensively. And T.J. Watt's a huge reason why. Uh, I mean, those numbers are ridiculous. He's among, he's in the top five in sacks. He's number one in the league in forced fumbles. And he has a two interceptions as well. So you can't argue with that production. When you said living in the shadow of his brother, I thought you were talking about Luke McCaffrey's brother, Christian. But that, that's not where you <laughs> went. So. No. He might make an appearance later, though. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. All right. My uh, number eight, I have Aaron Rodgers here. And uh, he, he's had a kind of a quiet season a little bit. But the Packers, 11-3. and three, And he's thrown for uh, 24 touchdowns, only two interceptions. So pretty impressive. He isn't putting up monster numbers this year. But uh, they found kind of a good thing with a uh, new head coach up there in Green Bay. So I have Aaron Rodgers at number eight. Okay. I'm kind of following Josh here. My eight was his nine. Here's where I've got Dax Prescott of the Cowboys. Very good. All right, on to the top seven. Well, I'm the only one that's had a defensive player, and I'm going to double up. I'm going to double down on that. My number seven is Stephon Gilmore from the New England Patriots. Uh, again, without the defense of New England, uh, the offense has been just brutal in recent weeks. So that defense has been amongst the NFL's best. He's been the NFL's best in regards to interceptions. Six picks leads the NFL for Stephon Gilmore. He's brought two of them back for touchdowns. He has 18 pass deflections. Uh, he is the lock, premier lockdown corner right now. Uh, he's got a pretty good running mate on the other side in J.C. Jackson from Maryland, but those corners from New England have been great. 
the secondary in general has been great. Devin McCourty, another Patriot, has five picks as well. But Stephon Gilmore is the ringleader. He's the shutdown corner right now in the NFL. Um, so I've got him at number seven. All right, Ben, you're, you've been really mixing it up so far. I've had three straight quarterbacks. I'm finally going to go away from quarterback but stay on the offensive side of the ball. I have Michael Thomas, the Saints wide receiver, here at number seven, and he's just he's doing crazy things. Uh, he has 133 receptions already, 1,500 yards, and the, the craziest part about it is that he did it with Breeze being injured for, what was it, six games? And so um, he, he's one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver in the NFL right now. So I have him at number seven, and it's just it, to me it goes to show you how hard it is to, to crack the, the MVP race if you're not a, in that quarterback position. Yeah, and to do that with either Teddy Bridgewater or Breeze, it didn't seem to matter for Thomas. And I'm with you, Josh. I'm, you and I are lining up here. I've got Thomas at seven as well. He's just been phenomenal all season long. And I'm starting to drool thinking about these NFC playoffs. I think it's going to be a f- amazing couple of weeks in the NFC come January. Yeah, probably the not, not the last time we hear from Michael Thomas tonight. My number six, I'm going to the offensive side for the first time in a while. And I'm going... Uh, the second leading rusher in the NFL in Tennessee, Derrick Henry. Uh, he's got 271 rushes for just over 1,300 yards on the season, 13 touchdowns. He's a battering ram. You've seen him break away some big runs, too. Uh, again, not on the best team, so he's not going to get the notoriety that, that he's deserved or, or what he needs. But uh, 13 touchdowns, he's an end zone seeker. He's just had a phenomenal year. and. He's going to probably eclipse 1,500 yards this year. And you don't think a lot of, of Tennessee's offense, you know, with the the benching of Marcus Mariota and the revolving door at wide receiver, but one consistent has been Derrick Henry toting the rock for them, and he's had a great year. So half he's of those, my number six. Half of those numbers came against the Chiefs. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, all right, my, uh, my number six is what you had, Greg, at number 10, Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers quarterback. Uh, it's his first season in the NFL with six-plus games played, and it's his sixth season as a pro. So he's finally healthy, finally has a place where he can play, and he's, he's showing what he can do. So I have Garoppolo at number six. Yeah, I'm quarterback as well. This is a name that's not been thrown out there yet, and this is why I have Deshaun Watson, 31 touchdowns to nine picks so far for Watson. Uh, when he's been good, they've been really good. They've been really kind of an up-and-down team over the last month, but Watson fits in at six for me. All right, very good. On to the top five. My number five, I've got Patrick Mahomes here at five. Um, I, I know you guys probably have him a little higher. He's, t- he's certainly taken a step back, but still having phenomenal numbers. To me, my top five are all the, the real worthy MVP candidates. Uh, the six through ten for me probably aren't really in that conversation, but Patrick Mahomes at number five. The injury has slowed him down some. His production, he's hurt He's hurt himself for how good of a year he had last year. But I've got Mahomes here at five. Very good. All right, my number five I have where Greg had at six, and that's Deshaun Watson. So Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson at number five for me. Yeah, and I go Aaron Rodgers in my five hole. 24 touchdowns, only a couple of picks thrown this year for Rodgers. And there seems to be that they kind of are figuring things out together with a new coach up there. Um, I know they slid by the Bears over the weekend, but uh, that's a team, and that's a guy who knows how to win in postseason play. Packers will be dangerous come come January. 
Yeah, how about Matt LaFleur, the first Packers head coach in his first year to make the playoffs? Mm. Um, just, wow. just really good year for the Packers, and it seems like the longer that season's gone, the more comfortable they've gotten with each other. Uh, my number four, I'm going back to quarterback here, and I got Russell Wilson at number four. He's had just a phenomenal year with Seattle. Uh, again, having to break in some new receivers with DK Metcalf, and you know they've kind of been banged up at running back with Chris Carson and uh, whoever that backup has been. It's, it's Rashad Penny and kind of everybody else has just been banged up. But Russell Wilson's had a phenomenal year. You know, a, a franchise that used to be known for defense has had to switch a little over to the offense with the Legion of Boom being all gone. Uh, still Bobby Wagner on that defense, but, you know, as much as it pains me to say, I've got Russell Wilson all the way up at number four. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, my number four, I have a running back here, Christian McCaffrey, Panthers running back. You guys kind of referenced him, but he's on my list here. The only reason why he's not even a little bit higher is because of the Panthers' record at at five and nine he's doing everything on the field that he can possibly do over 1300 yards rushing 800 yards receiving 94 catches that's a crazy for a running back to have and he just does it all for the panthers so i have him up at number four man josh you and i've just lined up i've got mccaffrey at four two and he would be higher if they if the team record yeah. was better but they just have fallen off and they're you know they fire ron rivera a couple of weeks ago that the organization's in a bit of a tailspin but he has been phenomenal Love his game. I know he lives in the shadow of Luke, but he's still trying to bust out of that a little bit. So I've got, <laughs> I've got Christian at four as well. Certainly in this part of the country, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, all right, on to the top three. My number three you guys have had already, and, and the, Michael Thomas from the New Orleans Saints is my number three. On display again last night, over 10 catches, 100 yards, and another touchdown. Dude's one of the best route runners, if not the best route runner in the NFL. He's been targeted a billion times this year. Um, again, with the quarterback switching in and out of Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater, I thought that was a really good point that, that you made, Josh, about Michael Thomas. But if ever there was going to be a wide receiver to win the NFL MVP, uh, it would be this year. I mean, the only thing that he probably lacks is more touchdowns, but even then he's amongst the NFL leaders. So yeah. he's just had a phenomenal year with the Saints. I've got Thomas at three. Very good. All right, my number three, Ben, you had it five, and that's the Chiefs quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. And, yes, he has taken a step back this year, but uh, most quarterbacks in the NFL would be just fine with taking a step back if it meant they're at the level that he's playing at. And he's been nicked up for a, a, quite a bit of the year, too, and um, he's still led the Chiefs to a 10-4 and record and has put up some pretty solid stats, only four interceptions thrown. So he's he's been doing a solid job of, of leading the Chiefs, and um, I Hopefully he'll be healthy heading into the playoffs, speaking from a Chiefs fan perspective, and we'll be able to lead them on a run. Yeah, this one hurt me to put it here, but I'm with you. I've got Mahomes at three. Uh, love this guy. I still think he's the best current player in the National Football League, but missing those games, the Chiefs not quite as good in the running game, so they have to throw it a lot more than maybe they did a year ago. Has hurt him a little, but still a phenomenal player. I've got Mahomes at three as well. Yeah, and the injury situation at wide receiver with Tyreek Hill and yeah. Sammy Watkins has been unreliable um, to be on the field. My number two has been mentioned already. You've got Christian McCaffrey. Uh, the dude's just a, a monster, an absolute workhorse for the Panthers. And uh, the ability to do what he does day in and day out and game in and game out and not get injured uh, blows my mind. Uh, I mean, he is incredibly fun to watch. He is the guy that everybody game plans around and still has a hard time stopping. He's opened the door for DJ Moore uh, to over have over a 1,000-yard year, and Curtis Samuel, another Buckeye, 
um, has had a, a good year as well, but none of that's possible without Christian McCaffrey. He is a prime candidate for the most valuable player this year. There you go. My number two, Ben, you had it for Russell Wilson, Seahawks quarterback, and he's he's having a career year himself. He's Early in his career, he was a mobile quarterback, or at least a running quarterback, I should say, you know, putting up seven, 800 yards rushing in a season. And he still is a mobile quarterback, and he, but he creates things with his feet, and he's just a, he's, he's just a solid quarterback. And he's, he's putting up a lot of good numbers this year. He's led the Seahawks to an 11-3 record to uh, top the division, tied with the 49ers. So Russell Wilson, just like you, Ben, I, I don't think I have quite as much dislike for him as you do, but I, it did hurt me a little bit to put him up at number two as well. So I have I have Russell Wilson at two. Yeah, I kind of held my nose as well. I've got Wilson here. I, I'm not a huge fan, but it's hard to argue against the numbers and the results on the field. And he's now become the leader of that team after they kind of parceled off some of that those defensive greats that led them to those Super Bowls a few years ago. And no Richard Sherman on that team. A lot of the alpha dogs are gone from that team. But Wilson is now, it's his team, and they're playing great, and he's had a very good year. Hard to argue with him, and that's why I've got him at two. Yeah, he's, he's gone from a game manager to an elite quarterback, and, and I think that's, that's the big difference. All right, I think we're all unanimous here at number one. It, it is the MVP, the guy who's going to win the trophy, Lamar Jackson. I mean, his, his passing numbers are incredible. He leads the NFL in touchdowns, passes. He's in, a, in the top ten in the NFL and rushing with 1,100 yards. He's broke onto the scene and had just one of the most memorable seasons to date for an NFL quarterback, period, passing Michael Vick for the most rushing yards by a quarterback in an NFL season. He's just getting started. We, we heard from Ian guys last week and said that you know Baltimore has, has completely shifted what they want to do offensively, and everything they do offensively revolves around Lamar Jackson now, and it's paid off. He is a phenomenal football player. Yeah, no doubt. I have Jackson at number one as well. And it's, it's funny, you know, earlier in the season when he was putting up those crazy numbers, both passing and rushing, people were saying, well, he's going to get hurt. He's going to get hurt. How long can he last as a running quarterback? And then he's made it this far. Now people are saying, well, is he going to be able to maintain this over the next how many, four, five, six years? And it doesn't really matter. Like he's doing it right now. And he's he's going to be a threat to lead the Ravens to a Super Bowl this season and he's he's the best player in the league by far I feel like he's extended that lead as the season has gone on so I have definitely have him at number one yeah I do too I don't think there's any way he doesn't win this thing now does he sustain it or is he the next RG3 I I don't know I mean uh, running quarterbacks have not lasted real long in this league can he be the the exception perhaps I mean but I don't know that we need to worry about that right now. Just enjoy what he's doing this year. He's been great, and I don't think there's any doubt he's he's the MVP. Is, is this worth a Twitter poll at all tonight? Sure. Or is it, is yeah, it, we'll put that out. All right, we'll put out a little runs of Twitter poll. If you uh, follow us on Twitter, at Husker Sports, you can go and vote. We'll give you a couple of options, come of those top three that we have, and put that out there and uh, see how the vote totals are added up. Good stuff there as we count down the top ten MVP candidates in the National Football League. Welcome back. Sports Island here on a Tuesday night. So we just had our Top 10 Tuesday. Now we continue our Top 10 Games of the Year broadcast here on the Husker Sports Network during 2019. We launched this last night with number 10 being the volleyball win over Missouri in the second round of the NCAA tournament. What's moment nine? Here we go. The Sports Nightly Top 10 Moments of the Year. Left side for the match. Maddie Kubik. She got him! They did it! 
Nebraska beats Penn State. It's fine. Measuring it, waiting for it. He gloves it, and the Huskers have beaten number three, Texas Tech, here in Frisco, Texas tonight. 10, 9, 8. Sam Hybe goes the layup. Good! Sam Hybe gives Nebraska a four-point lead. Nebraska has become the fifth program in the history of college football to win 900 all-time games. Number nine. Down the right lane line, still on the dribble under the goal, puts it up and in. Holy smokes, holy Christmas. Glenn Watson Jr. with that goal just passed up Stuart Lance for number 15 all-time on the Husker scoring list. And it is time for game number nine in our Husker Sports Network's greatest games of 2019. We go to the hardwood. Husker hoops on the road at Assembly Hall taking on the Indiana Hoosiers. And the Huskers walked away with a 66-51 victory. Man who called all the action, Ken Pavelka of our own Husker Sports Network, joins us right now. KP, what's the feeling when you walk into Assembly Hall to call a game? I guess, Ben, it's similar to, you know, you walk into Allen Fieldhouse. Um, that's the one that comes to mind, you know, one of the one of the shrines of college basketball, to use a, uh, a worn-out uh, – you know, word. Uh, it's really hard, kind of hard to put into words because you have to experience it. Um, it's a unique arena. It's real steep, um, and you know, you don't appreciate it nearly as much until things get cranked up. You know, and then then you realize why it's so special. Uh, although Nebraska's had success there of late, really good success. And, you know, it's Indiana has not uh, had a lot to cheer for. Uh, they did peek out the win the other night. But um, a year ago, uh, that, was, that was a big win for, for, for Nebraska. Went in there at two and three in the league, and you thought, well, this probably isn't going to happen. And then, you, you know, you win there again, and, and Coach Miles really had great success there. Uh, and, and now you're three and three, and you think, hey, you know, maybe they're in this conference thing, that, uh, you know, may well win enough conference games to get into the tournament. So um, it was a memorable game, and it's always a memorable experience there. It it is. No question. And to me, the the lingering thought I had on this game was to this point in the season, James Palmer hadn't shot the ball overly well, or at least to the same degree that he was uh, his junior year. But he walked away with that Indiana game with with 11, 9, and 7. And he almost had the first triple-double. We actually coincidentally had the first one with Cam Mack. But we thought, okay, if James can't score, if he's not shooting the ball from the perimeter, at least he can contribute in other ways. What did you kind of take away from the season JPJ had last year? Well, you know, it wasn't as good as his junior year. Um, I thought he pressed a little bit. Um, I thought that the ball stuck with him uh, too much last year. Um you know, he's a special player, but he did not have the kind of senior season that I, I think everybody hoped for. Um, but he, he was good that night. He was. And um, and I think that, that as thinking back on that game, the Indiana fans were, were kind of shell-shocked. You know, they didn't they didn't see that coming. And, and they didn't see it coming the other night either, you know, a year later, uh, albeit in a, in a loss, but in overtime. Uh, so – that's always special, you know, when you when you sense the crowd is what's this, you know, the collective thing with the crowd is what what is this going on out here? This wasn't supposed to be like this. And and certainly that's been the case a lot when Nebraska has been there, as you mentioned. KP to kind of put a put a bow on on last year's team. 
it, it's pretty telling that this is the high, one of the highlights of the season. You know, January 14th matchup early in conference play for this team. They just did not have the year that, that anybody would hoped with Palmer and Watson and Copeland and Roby. Uh, kind of the big four there, and it just it just didn't seem to 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 work. When, when what what's going to stick out to you most about that year in particular being Tim Miles last season? I think the end of it when when you know the the cupboard was bare, you had injuries, and I mean, Copeland wasn't even playing, and and uh, Thomas Allen was sitting, and here comes Johnny, and you know here comes the God of Thunder, and what are they doing out there playing it? And they they do so well in the, in the, in the big 10 tournament. And it's, it's funny you ask about that because it, it kind of reminds me of what's going on now, yeah. you know, with, uh, green out and you got, you got, you know, Thor starting. And I, I think he's cemented the starting role, by the way, I don't think this is like patchwork anymore, but, um, you know, that whole idea of, well, this doesn't look good. And then all of a sudden they really start playing well. And that, so last year at the end of the year is what, what I think of. Uh, and, and isn't that ironic because they make a run and, and still coach miles is, is, is replaced, you know, it wasn't good enough. Yeah. That that's, that's certainly the, the lingering thing from that season to carry over, but uh, a new team and a new coach and a new regime, new players this year, um, except for Thor, what what was the feeling, Kemp, sitting uh, in Assembly Hall this time around, having the last time you had <laughs> laid eyes on this team was Creighton, knowing that you were going to face a charged-up Indiana team for the first time in conference play, and then the game started, and you thought, okay, what do we got going on here? Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you, you know, it, it's probably a lot, a lot to do with the fact it's so fresh in my mind, but that was uh, – it was a, um, I don't even know what the word is to use to describe the kind of the, the, the feeling around the team on the way there and before the game. Nobody was, nobody was saying the wrong things, but, you know, and the body language wasn't awful, but it just, it, there was just a pall over the prospect of, the, of what was going to happen Friday night. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it mirrored what happened in the first half of that game against Creighton. And, um, and then it's announced that Gervais not going to play. He's been suspended indefinitely for, you know, whatever. And and then the, you know, you, you even it felt more that way. Um, so it was very similar to last year's game. You know, you didn't think you didn't think there was this was going to happen at all. And and yet um, they that, they really played well on Friday night. They did just as well as they played uh, in the win Saturday or Sunday against Purdue. Yeah, and then well, that that's kind of where I was going to wrap up with you is, it kind of felt like they shot their shot against Indiana, and and then they come out against Purdue, a team that was a seventeen point favorite, and throttled them. I mean, what'd you learn about the team in the last I don't know five days? Well, I think what thing I've learned, and you know, what do I know? I'm seriously, I'm no expert, X's and O's wise, but uh, my analysis is that the light bulbs went off and. You know these guys. These guys get it now. They know what Coach Hoiberg and 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 the and what they're talking about playing the right way. And I think the evidence of that is what you saw yesterday, as hopefully you were listening at the same time. That ball did not stick on the offensive end. I think that the Cam and Deshaun at times early in the season, you'd see you know kind of in the half court things would just kind of stop when they decided to do something other than you know 
what they were supposed to be doing, and that was that's keeping the ball moving. So when the ball doesn't stick, they're they're really good. I mean, they bought into the fact that they're going to get theirs if they just play the right way. And then defensively, you know, they Doc's done just a tremendous job. That was a masterful game plan. He held them to fifty five or what was it fifty five points yesterday. Um, 10, I think 10 under their scoring average. I, I don't think Purdue has very good guard play at this point. Uh, I walked away thinking that on the way home, but that's taking nothing away from that, that win yesterday. That was a really, really nice win and, and an exhibition of, I think, what Fred Hoiberg has in mind for this program. No no question about it. I mean, they, you see these – it's going to be hard to do, put that type of effort in night in and night out, but if they're able to do it, they're going to hang with a lot of teams in this league as this, this league is just – chaos every team in the league uh except for two started league play at one and one just utter chaos in the big 10 here to start well kp hopefully at this time next year we're talking about a few more of these great wins um this has been it's been fun the last week let's try and continue this momentum well i suppose it's my responsibility it is of course (laughs) why do you think we keep bringing you back <laughs> Nothing like a little pressure here. Yeah, right. Like I have, like I have anything to do with it. I, I'm just, I'm just thrilled to be part of it. All right. Well, um, if things continue the way that they are at the foul line, may need you to go send an instructional video to the boys on how it's done. Well, I don't know. They, they shot fouls pretty. You're talking about Nebraska shooting foul shots. They shot pretty well Friday night. They did. And I don't remember. I don't know what the stats were. They didn't shoot very many uh, yesterday. Yeah. But um, that's turned around too. Yeah, it's been good. All right, KP, appreciate it, man. We'll we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. There's Kemp Pavelka. Our moment tonight is the Husker victory over the Indiana Hoosiers in moment number nine of the best games, and it was a huge win uh, getting even in conference play at that time. You still had aspirations for an NCAA tournament, and to go do what they did that night at, at Assembly Hall and James Palmer having nearly a triple-double was, was was truly a great, great night for Husker Hoops, but unfortunately we all know how the season ended, and it, it certainly wasn't what it looked like there in mid-January as, as we thought after that night with a victory over IU. Yeah, it was like a turning point of the season, and nobody saw that coming. And it was Tim Miles' second win, leading the Huskers to victory at Assembly Hall. And, and you just felt like at that point in time, that team was a lock for the NCAA tournament. We all know that it kind of tailspinned from that moment on. But that was a terrific highlight for everybody, to every Husker fan last January.